special shout out to our sponsor, Qualia. Qualia is the category creating digital closing platform used by thousands of lenders across the country to seamlessly work with their title and escrow partners. By working better together, Qualia is powering lenders to deliver a differentiated closing experience for their clients. Through real-time communications, closing status updates, and workflow management, Qualia brings lenders together with home buyers and sellers, title and escrow agents, and real estate agents for a secure and seamless closing experience. Qualia is proud to have been awarded the Housing Wire Tech 100 Award for real estate as well as CB Insights FinTech 250 Award. Discover how you can work more efficiently with your title and escrow partners at qualia.com forward slash innovators. That's Q-U-A-L-I-A.com forward slash innovators. Hello, everyone. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Mortgage Innovators Podcast, where we deliver fresh and hopefully entertaining insights on all things mortgage and the innovation propelling our industry forward. My name is Michael Guidotti with American Pacific Mortgage, and every Tuesday, you can find our rotating group of co-hosts who all share their unique connection to the industry. This week, we are joined by David Carendish, who is the CEO of Capacity, one of our premier sponsors for the upcoming Mortgage Innovators Conference. Hello, David, and welcome. Hey, great to see you, Michael. Yes, likewise, my friend. We're really excited to have you on today. And before we get into it, we want to make sure that you know next week is the Mortgage Innovators Conference 2022. The power of innovation is back in person for an experience you do not want to miss. It starts Monday, May 2nd, and goes through May 4th at the Hilton Anaheim. Registration is live, and information about the agenda and sponsorship opportunities can be found at mortgageinnovators.com slash conference. That's mortgageinnovators.com forward slash conference. And really exciting is that David will be presenting on day two of the conference, so we're really excited about that. And his session is going to be on how using automation is streamlining uh, the mortgage industry. And so I'm really excited to get into you know, some of the details. Not too much information today because we want people to, to join Not us. The event. Yeah, we're just, we're just going to tease them a little bit. How's that sound? <laughs> That's perfect. And, and as always, super excited to have one of my favorite people and our wonderful co-host, Margaret Chiavini on. Hey. Welcome, David. So happy you're here. Thanks for having me. Yes. Well, you know what? Let's just jump into it. Give give the people what they're tuning in for. Uh, so, David, you know, at at capacity, you know, obviously a lot about you know automation there. So, give us some of your insights on you know the future of the mortgage industry and how it's using you know automation for you know certain things that are historically you know people driven. Yeah, I think the move toward touchless processes where you don't need a person to touch every single document, every single LOS field, every single integration along the way is where we're heading. Uh, and that starts all the way at the very beginning uh, from the origination side, answering first time home buyer questions on your website, all the way through to the servicing side. Uh, what happens? How do we make sure that we're servicing the, our loan portfolios in the best way possible? And everything in between, uh, both on the residential side and on the commercial side. And so when I think about where we are heading toward, I think we are in one of those transitionary species moments where uh, we are uh, shedding some uh, some 
vestigial tails and getting out and walking around on two legs and starting to see the new new horizons available. I have just one question. What's the biggest challenge that you find with um, the lenders in terms of automating um, from, you know, as you say, the very beginning all the way to the end? What, what's, the, what's the biggest hurdle? The, the biggest hurdle is overcoming a, the momentum of continuing to do things the way we've always done it. Uh, that is the single biggest thing to overcome. Our, our lenders who have stepped forward and said, we are not going to accept a manual process, a manual onboarding, a manual mortgage, uh, versus the ones who said, you know, oh, you know, we're going to kind of wait and see. We're going to kick the can down the road. I mean, it's it's all about, um, are you willing to take the plunge? And And at the same time, it doesn't mean you need to automate everything at once on day one. It just means, are you going to set out a roadmap to go take the parts of your mortgage process that don't involve human intuition, human value, and go say, let's let's go get bots involved. Let's go get an AI involved. Let's go get uh, process automation involved. And then let people do the parts that people do well. Um, so we're not looking at this saying that people won't ever be involved in a mortgage. We're trying to get rid of people. No, we're, we're trying to let people do the things that people do well, especially in an environment where costs are, are important to rein in. And we're going to let uh, bots and technology do the things that they do well. Great. I, I love that. And I think, you know, it ties into something that I know that really comes up when you talk about that, you know, that change management and that adversity to change. And, you know, how how are you all at, at capacity really demonstrating the value of, of automation to really all of the various team members that are involved in, in the loan process? Yeah, I, I can think about the automation process through a series of steps, and I, th I, I think there's a good example here we'll, we'll, we'll tease out, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit in person uh, here soon, but when I think about how a lot of uh, underwriting help desks answer questions, it's uh, Larry the loan officer, he sends in some email question, uh, and it goes into some inbox. That's kind of step one, there's no automation there, there's no trackability, there's no you know, similarity to the last time that question got answered, it's just completely unautomated. And it's like step two, okay, he's gonna send it into a support box, it'll create a ticket, assign it to the appropriate person, okay, there's a little more visibility going on, but it's still a very manual process. Then you go into step three, he's gonna send his question in, uh, and this time, yes, it'll go create the ticket, but the AI is gonna jump in and intercept that conversation and send a message back to Larry with a potential answer. And to start, maybe it gets 10% of questions, maybe it gets 20% of questions, maybe it gets 50% of questions, but it's starting to chip away at the questions that it can answer that it couldn't. Our, our bot, on average, when we started across all of our clients was answering about 55% of questions automatically. Today, we're just north of 90%, which is, above and beyond anyone else in the industry. Uh, okay, so then you take it the next step. You're like, okay, in this case, uh, Larry sends his email in, he doesn't create the ticket, he gets the bot response back. If he doesn't like the bot response, he thumbs it down, and now it goes and creates the ticket, right? So now we've, a, we've actually intercepted that email and kept it from landing in the underwriting help desk. 
right? Um, then the last step of this, uh, by the way, all of those steps are available today through the capacity platform. So uh, you can do that for helping with the underwriting help desk, but you could also do that with the HR help desk or the IT help desk or any part of the org that gets lots of questions, phone calls, tickets. The last step that we're working on right now is, you know, uh, Larry's a smart guy. He knows that if he emails Margaret directly, well, Margaret's going to respond. Margaret and Larry gone, gone back. They've been they've been there for 15 years, right? Um, so we're working on a personal email interceptor where when Margaret lo launches up her uh, Outlook 365, O365 or Google email, uh, instead of her having to manually write out an answer to Larry, again, the bot jumps in in the middle of that conversation and provides some suggested responses directly from a sanctioned knowledge base uh, of answers. And so the, the reason I use that example is we're going from a completely unautomated system all the way through uh, to even handling the user behavior of skipping and going around your support your support desk and going to Margaret directly. Uh, so that's the, the journey that we're on and different organizations and different parts of the organizations might be at different stages, right? In one org, um, the underwriting help desk might be at step one, but the HR help desk might be at step four. Or another org, the IT help desk is only at step two or three, but the underwriting help desk is, is actually moving pretty far along. And so that, that's the journey that we see our clients on. Uh, and it all ties back to you know, what is our mission? Our mission is to help teams do their best work. Our mission is not to make it so that you don't have to work. Our mission is not so that there is no work. Our mission is that you do your best work, and so you don't have to spend time on the things that you don't need to. Hey, David, how's the accuracy? Like in that example that you, um, you know, that you gave us, how how satisfied um, are all the parties with the answer that comes back? Yeah, great question. So our thumbs down rate across all of our clients on average is sub two percent. Now, sometimes it's it's uh, people will thumb it down not because it was a wrong answer, just because they didn't like the answer. So if we take that out, um, it's it's probably even lower than that. But it's it's sufficiently high enough to where we can jump in in the middle of these conversations and take a pass. And if yeah, by the way, we don't just send responses back from the bot willy nilly. They have to have crossed a certain threshold from a match perspective before they ever come back. Um, and by the way, every single response, we track the thumbs up, thumbs down as well. So uh, it, the AI is constantly learning the ins and outs around what should and what shouldn't match. Now, the other side of the house that, that we spend a lot of time on, I, I talk about user behavior, is that a lot of companies think of their knowledge base as this static place. We're going to go just jam a bunch of junk into SharePoint and expect it to clean itself on its own. And, and we all know what happens and I had one client say, they referred to their SharePoint intranet as SharePoint-less because you could not find anything, uh, anything <laughs> fresh uh, in there. It was all very, very, very stale. Uh, so one of the, again, this, this isn't really an AI feature. This is a human behavior feature. One of the salient features we added to the platform is the ability to specify both a start and end date around every piece of knowledge that exists. And so best practice is not to go put information in and say, oh, this is good forever, I'll never need to check it. It's to say, okay, this probably has about a year shelf life, maybe it's a two year shelf life, maybe it's a six month shelf life. 
and then we can have an opportunity to go back and revisit and review if this is still uh, still needs to be updated or not. So, so <laughs> that SharePoint with that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, so how um, you know right kind of ties along the same lines around the change piece but you know how are you really working with your clients to help bridge that ai education gap that we know is you know is out there and, and is really coming to the forefront right now i think yeah so we we tend to find three different types of personas that we have to work with within these orgs um, the first are the, the the luddites these are the folks that um, are just scared of anything new uh, the fact that their Chrome automatically updated, they're, they're worried about what's going on there. With them, what we try to do is we try to explain, like, here is the benefit of what we're rolling out. Here's how this is going to positively impact you. We try not to roll out too many changes at once. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we have what I call the terminators. These are the folks who are like ready to just automate everything. They're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're worried that the bots are coming in to, to take over and it's like no here, here's again he, here's what's important here are the things that it's going to focus on here are the things that we're not going to have it focus on and just being very clear on what that looks like uh, but the the hardest group is actually the the free spirits this is the group that is like oh yeah you know now we have a bot now the bot can do everything it's like no it, it can't do everything if you hired a new team member they, they can't do every single role in the org either. Uh, but it's really just making sure, okay, here's that roadmap on what the bot can take on, what those tasks are. And we've, honestly, it's, it's, it's crazy, but we've had clients hire us, not out of their technology budget, but out of their team budget, because they've said that we're bringing this on like the cost of another team member joining our, our org. I love how you've seg segmented everyone so that they can, you know, at least kind of locate themselves where are they and you know what are they going to be predisposed in terms of thinking and i love that the terminators <laughs> everybody falls in one of those three categories at least a little bit that, yeah that's that's I, I don't know if margaret did this but what i actually did is i stopped into a couple of meetings i've sat on i'm like ah so that's what that person was uh -huh. It's like there were some faces that popped up as you said each of those uh, each of those items. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. you know, if they're if they're churning their own butter at lunch, you know they're the luddite category. If you know, yes. Anyway, uh, so you, how you know for for your clients that you're partnering up with, you know, or even people that are you know out exploring right now, you know, right with everything going on, you know, in the in the industry, you know, people are looking for solutions. So you know, for either existing clients or people that you're talking to, what's your recommendation on, you know, how to successfully, you know, implement an automation system or overall strategy, right? Because I think some people aren't even at the system standpoint yet. They're just trying to figure out a strategy for automation. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah, it's a great question. So the first part of a strategy is, you know, everybody's heard this before, but you just, you got to, you can't eat the elephant in one bite. Anyone who says we're going to come in and we're just going to swallow this whole thing is going to end up with a tusk hanging out that side of their mouth and they're not going to be able to talk. And so I like to start with a strategy where we've clearly defined our goals. Like what do we want to accomplish? Um, we've prioritized and the prioritization involves a, a couple of different uh, facets. You've got the impact to the business. 
you've got the rate of change that this is going to require. What momentum are we going to need to shift? And then you've got the time to value, right? So you might have some things that are really big business impactors, but man, it's going to take a year or two before you got everything ready. That, that might not be the, the project to start with. Conversely, you might have something that's uh, a medium-sized medium, medium business impact, but very quick to go get some realized value on. That might be a good place to start. Uh, so you want to know what your goals are. You want to know um, kind of those, those three factors, um, what areas you want to start in. And then the, the last part from a strategy standpoint is uh, it's the difference between uh, so I was a, I was a computer science uh, engineering student in, in undergrad, and they talk about how the, the civil engineers and the mechanical engi engineers, their, their big fight was like the, the uh, civil engineers, if it moved, it broke, and the mechanical engineers, if it didn't move, it broke, right? Uh, I think very similarly, people approach their tech stack as if they were a bunch of civil engineers and this was going to be fixed and stationary and it wasn't going to move. When in reality, your tech stack, you need to approach it more like a mechanical engineering uh, student where it, it's going to be changing, it's gonna be updating, you're gonna be adding new things to it. So your strategy needs to assume that you will be adding new pieces of tech to your platform over time. So whatever technology you come in and work with, it needs to be tech that um, can future-proof you a bit. So you don't want to get locked in a vendor who doesn't have the ability to integrate with the next app that you're going to add on, as an example. Wow, I love that. Planning ahead. My goodness. My goodness. Huh, Michael? I mean, how many times, uh, you know, the technology department says, can't do that. We didn't think about that scope at the beginning. Yep. Yeah, yeah not, not in scope. Yeah, not in scope. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, so yeah, knowing that the Mortgage Innovators Conference is coming up, David, you know, for your companies that you're either onboarding right now or recently, where are you seeing most like lenders starting at? You know, as far as what area do you really see them focusing, you know, for the most part or your recommendation of where, you know, where they start at? Yeah, so if I was going to get out my Plinko board on kind of get to the to the good good landing place, first we start with do you want to go internal or external? Um, and and honestly, we're one of the few vendors out there that really helps with both. Uh, we see l more and more uh, blending of the two over time. Uh, but I would usually say, okay, the the larger the organization, the more internal challenge you have smaller the organization, more um, external challenges you have. But about a third of our clients are using us internally only, a third of our clients are using us externally only, but a third of our clients are using us for both. So that, that'd be the first place I would start. Once you've figured out internal, external, or both, then I would start drilling down into what some of those use cases could look like. So it could be automating access to your guidelines, could be automating access to your LOS, it could be helping to get a lot more value out of your big Microsoft Teams migration. Now all these people are chatting with each other, but they still can't find anything. Uh, it could be an internet replacement or augmentation project. We see a lot of those happening. Um, we do a, a fair amount of document mining as well, where people are like, hey, I've got all these documents coming in. I've got 20 something staring and comparing between the document and the LOS. Can we help automate that process? Um, We've got definitely onboarding and hiring, although yeah, you know, as that ebbs and flows, that can be of more uh, 
you know, more or less value. And then on the external side, we've got content packs to turn on for first-time homebuyer questions. We've got lead gen opportunities. We even have some new tech where you can place the bot on your website and we have the ability to go play back the experience that you saw on the site. So if somebody comes in and they said, hey, we had this issue or you know, the marketing team's trying to figure out why nobody's getting in this particular area, and actually go back and play the video of what, what happened there. So those are just, I don't know, a handful, half a dozen, dozen use cases that, that we typically see. We'll kind of throw some of those out there. Some of our clients come to us and they know exactly what they want. Some of them don't know until they've heard a couple of uh, what's possible. I cannot tell you how excited I am about that last piece that you just said, because if I had a dollar for every time somebody's like, well, I can't recreate it on this side, or hey, go back through and see if you can do it again, and then send me screenshots of what you uh, just went through, and it's like, oh, oh, oh I, that may have just made my day, my friend. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, you know what? We are coming to a close here, and so I just really want to thank you so much for for joining um, today. And um, for those that, that are listening that want to know more about Capacity, where can they find out some more information about you all? Yes, you can check us out at capacity.com. You can reach me anytime, david at capacity.com, and then come see us uh, at the conference. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Margaret, as always, it was a pleasure, my friend. And special thanks to all of you listening today. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe at Mortgage Innovators YouTube channel or wherever you podcast. Until next time, everyone.